Hi, good afternoon again, listeners. How are you guys doing? Hope you're all excited because I'm excited as well. I'm your host, of course, Makisi Alexander on So You Have an Idea, Now What podcast. That's a little crazy outside. It was just raining, you know, rain, sun. It's the, that particular season, time of the year. But um, hopefully you guys could find a nice little comfortable place to go ahead and listen to today's episode. And we have a really good episode in store uh, for, for you listeners. Um, I also want to thank you all for the feedback that I've been getting really positive, really appreciated. And I want to thank you for it because it helps me and encourages me to continue, you know, doing what I'm doing, sharing content and, uh, you know, trying to help to change minds, uh, uh, to change mindsets, you know, one man at a time with respect to entrepreneurial development in Trinidad and Tobago. So um, just to kind of give you an overview for this podcast, I'm going to do the, re- the uh, resource segment. Then I'm going to have a really good in-depth interview talking about that process uh, that would have been mentioned in one of the earlier episodes uh, specifically related to validation of your idea and how do you go through the process of really testing those assumptions that you've come up with to know if to revise it or to go forward with that particular idea and then I'm also going to be sharing a really good uh, segment on a, a startup company that is uh, is uh, presenting uh, areas with respect to the fine arts and uh, for artists in Trinidad to be on this, we'll have that segment and I'll be it. So sit back, relax, enjoy. New episode up next. Okay, so for this uh, resource segment, it is something that is um, <laughs> near and dear to my heart. So I'll give you guys a story. And there is a colleague of mine who now works at the Ministry of Education. And she gets this red mango from uh, these folks who she knows. And I believe uh, the individuals might be from Tobago or something like that. And listen to me when I tell you all, the mango is one of the best red mangoes I've ever tasted. Boss red mango. I mean, boss, boss, boss. And every time, you know, I have this mango, I keep on asking, you know, um, I call it from, from education. He's I'm like, he's you know, why don't these people get to you know, get themselves organized and get this thing in some store shelf somewhere? Because I mean, this mango tastes great. And you know what she tells me? You know, they're not sure. They think about these ideas, but they think about the work. They're not sure if they're ready to do it. And this has maybe happened about, about over a year ago. And then she recently told me that, you know, that it's something that they're really considering doing. And I was like, okay, you know, that's really good. I'll find out. You know who might be some of the best individuals for them to talk to to get that to get started and you know guess what i actually found out the uh export company of trinidad and tobago that's export tt in collaboration with the caribbean export development agency cedar is actually holding an intellectual intellectual property clinic for food and beverage manufacturers so again this is anyone who you might have a recipe uh a pepper sauce or in this case a red mango anything that you're doing that you're coming up with on your own and you believe can 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 be something that's worthwhile the next big thing with respect to the food and beverage sector there is a workshop that is being facilitated to ensure that you understand what is needed to protect your idea in the food and beverage sector so it's an intellectual property clinic for food and beverage manufacturers this is being held on the 17th of July at uh, the Export TT uh, 
training room at the export house uh, Charlotte Street, Port of Spain. That's opposite the main entrance to the Port of Spain General Hospital. And this event is free. I'm going to put the additional description or the additional sorry information in the description of the podcast. But if you'd like to get more information on this particular workshop uh, to register, you could dial uh, 483-8311 and speak to uh, Miss Judy Marie Rock. Let her know that you're interested in the Intellectual Property Clinic for food and beverage manufacturers coming up on the 17th of July, a free event. For anyone who has a fantastic recipe, a particular dish or drink, and it's something that they really want to go ahead and brand and create some value from. All right, so like again, I said, the Intellectual Property Clinic, food and beverage manufacturers being put on by Expo TT and CEDA, the Caribbean Export Development Agency. Uh, do go ahead and check it out. All right, so let's get on with the rest of our episode for today. Hi, listeners. Thank you for uh, for sticking with us so far during this episode here. So as I said, we have a great major or main segment today for episode that speaks to uh, validating your startup idea. With me, we have the National Coordinator uh, Monitoring and Evaluation from the Ministry of Labor and Small Enterprise Development, Alison Francis. Good afternoon, Alison. Good afternoon. And uh, how are you? Not too bad. <laughs> Probably will get better as we go on with the conversation. That time goes on. All right, great, great. So, listeners, uh, the reason I have Alison here is that uh, she is one of the best minds with respect to monitoring and evaluation in. Uh, I believe in Trinidad and Tobago and she really yes and when I was actually going through my idea um, Alison would have been one of the persons I actually um, got some feedback on with respect to how I would go about uh, validating that particular idea by validation what we're talking about here is that I would have come up with this bright idea but I had to to ensure that the individuals or the problem that I was solving, that I was really truly solving it or getting feedback to confirm that the solution that I had was to a problem that was a real problem. So kind of along, is that along the lines of what the validation is? Right, so what we're gonna do in this episode, uh, we'll get some feedback from Alison as to uh, when we have ideas, how we go about uh, that process of um, appreciating it Getting those assumptions and then uh, testing those assumptions. So, Alison, you can floor is yours to okay, talk on us. Okay, do you want me to start at the very top? Yeah. In terms of okay, so getting back to what you said um, when you approached me with your idea, mm-hmm. because I'm looking at I think one of the first the key thing that we need to look at is whether or not your idea is really resolving to solve an actual problem. Mm-hmm. You need to determine that first of all, because a lot of times we have ideas and we think that it sounds really good, but at the end of the day, because we don't validate and we don't test it, and I think the key word here is that we need to test it to see whether or not it will actually provide a solution, something tangible, something that the user really needs. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing that you need to do in terms of validation. So first of all, you need to really determine is this particular idea going to resolve a particular problem, right? Because you're really being a problem solver. That's what you're being. You're being a problem solver. 
and you're hoping then that this particular service or product that you think that you're thinking about that you're conceiving about is actually tangibly going to resolve a particular issue and one of the key ways to do that obviously would be to test the market as a second stage mm -hmm. right so once you've determined and i believe it's, it's always good to draw things out conceptually to really get into your own space and look through all of the essential things and because at times we tend to do things on our own, it's always important to view the global perspective as well. Because it's really great to go out there and do. Before you go out there in the market, it's good to also find out if anybody else have had the same idea. What's going on globally? Have they done X, Y, or Z? And what have been their type of results? Mm -hmm. Because many times something that we are thinking about, someone else has thought about it. And they may have figured out a different angle in order to resolve their own issue. Now, obviously, if you go out globally and you find something, it doesn't mean that you're simply going to transplant it in your context. You need to be careful that you don't take their solution and believe that that will also fix the issue that you are seeing here. Oh, who's so your you, copy and piece? You can't do that. Mm -hmm. You need to now be careful and customize, and that's the reason for testing. So once you find out that, okay, this is something that could be valid, then you need to go out and talk to the real people and that brings us to the next issue in terms of who's your target market mm -hmm. who are you um believing that you are going to serve who are these folks you know are they real people where are they located what is their location etc so that's where you really need to pound the streets in some cases i mean now we have the use of social media where you can track a lot more persons because everybody's on social media different arms of social media but then mm -hmm. we must never forget the man in the street in terms of their importance in validating your own idea because something that you think is something that they want may not necessarily be the case mm -hmm. a lot of times you believe that people really want this this solution would be fantastic for them because we tend as a country sometimes to think anecdotally mm -hmm. we see something on the news and and we believe at the end of the day that that is something that is going to encompass everyone so when we go out and first of all we determine and it's always good not to simply validate in one section. There's a terminology that we use sometimes in research called triangulation. Mm -hmm. So you try to do more than one type of validation exercise. Okay. So if you're going to go on the street and do something, that would be one. If you're going to use social media to do something, that would be two. If you're going to call in a group of persons to say, let's do a focus group to find out what their views are for that particular idea that you have, and that would be three. Mm -hmm. And if you just want to do a one-on-one -on -one interview with something like you're doing right now with me, mm -hmm. then that would be four. So then you triangulate your approach and you have all these different feedback slash opinions coming to you. It's also pretty good to mix up things a bit, do things randomly so that you don't just get one set of persons giving you an idea, but you have different sections of people, class of persons, um, probably business sectors, but again, it depends on the nature of the idea that you're looking for. So you can come up with these things. So these are all generic ideas that I'm giving you. Mm -hmm. right? But mm -hmm. it's really important to triangulate. And once you get all these different viewpoints, and now you go back and you do your analysis and you determine based on what the feedback is saying, okay, is this viable or is this non viable? Mm -hmm. right? And that is key. All right. So I have a question for you when we're talking about that. So when you're going through the process and you're saying we would have identified those instruments, uh, talk to me about uh, what you put or don't put or what you say or don't say 
when you're going through your validation process. So say for example, uh, clearly you're going to try to find a way to identify or confirm the, 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 what the problem is mm -hmm. as far as a problem statement. Mm -hmm. But when you want to know, uh, truly understand or get feedback from, from this target audience mm -hmm. that the solution you have in mind mm -hmm. is going to address this problem, mm -hmm. how much at that stage are you telling them? Are you just going to, you're trying to find out uh, in general terms what the solution is or, or how, how, how specific could you or should you get at that stage? It's very important not to leave persons into the process. Mm -hmm. So you have an idea, yes, but you're crafting your questions very general, as you've just said, very generic. So you're not leading and saying, okay, you're calling a focus group not to say, listen, everybody around this table, I have this fantastic idea and this is what I want to do. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. You're basically saying here, I have this idea, but I'm here to find out what your opinions and your views are. I mean, obviously, you would not be saying it in such a clinical fashion mm -hmm. because you're hoping that the focus group is in its own way is going to be engaging to get their views and opinions. But you cannot come in and say that I, I wanted to satisfy your needs, etc. Because when you say terminology like that, then you give persons the impression that, my goodness, this man really wants this idea to, to move forward. So then, even though there may be some persons in the room that may want to be objective, sometimes there's this element of bias that comes into play here. Mm -hmm. And they may simply want to tell you what they think you want them to say. So it's very important not to use words like, okay, I'm here to satisfy your needs, I want to do this, or I, or I want to do that. So you try to depersonalize it as much as you can. You simply want to know, okay, this is where we are at. Can you tell me whether or not there's an issue with X, Y, or Z? Mm -hmm. And if not, and be prepared to accept the fact that, that maybe where you think there was a problem, their view might be, no, there isn't right. a problem That's at right. all. Mm -hmm. So then you may just have to go back and rework the entire thing. Mm -hmm. But the nice thing about that is that sometimes that's an opportunity to actually have another idea altogether that that's you right. hadn't even thought about. And that's what the focus group does. It gives you the opportunity to, in a non-threatening, um, non-invasive way, to really just get persons to talk mm -hmm. and say what they think, not what Alison thinks or what McCasey thinks, but what they think. Mm -hmm. And then you gather that and you can go back and say, okay, whether or not if their views and opinions now are lining up or if they're not lining up, okay, let's see, there may be something else that McCasey or Allison can do at this point. Yeah. And that's a, that's a good point, listeners, because Allison was saying there, and, and even from my experience, I knew that uh, when I when I did my, my, uh, my survey, and I actually did it through, uh, I believe, Google Forms, uh, I remember there were a couple of questions there where I left it open uh, to the, uh, the target group or audience to even suggest uh, other solutions or other ideas that they think might have satisfied a particular problem. So then I was able to, um, to sometimes look at the ideas or see, okay, how many people were going in that particular direction? And then I used that to, to kind of modify my actual solution, taking that particular feedback into consideration. And that's what you really want to do with that information. You just don't only want to use it to validate what your initial problem statement would have been or is, but that you're really tweaking it to those individuals. Because remember, at the end of the day, these individuals will be the ones who will be your potential customers or the ones who will uh, be talking and sharing that particular idea or service or solution with other new customers. So you really want to ensure that, and as you always say, the customer is right, that you are uh, satisfying that particular need. So there's, you know, you always want to have room 
uh, for individuals to, to be able to speak out of you know that particular box or share their expressions and ideas yeah all right so as we said just to kind of go over there we're talking about that particular validation uh using it to ensure that we really go forward and um validate that particular assumption or assumptions that we would have with respect to that product or service what the customers are saying and understand how important uh, it is to appreciate the feedback from those customers uh another good thing that i realized with mine was that uh the information that i captured um has allowed me to then also use that particular uh target group uh to validate my product when it is launched so like when we kind of consider like the beta phase or that testing phase those will be the same individuals i would be uh using the interview uh to, to to assess my particular solution and get their feedback from it and also do an assessment with them when they're using the product to actually fine-tune that product mm -hmm. so yeah that's a good idea that's a good idea because in that way there's consistency in your approach mm -hmm. and you get to do a baseline and to see what people think before you started and after and it really is a good sense of how they have progressively stayed with you mm -hmm. and I get a sense of whether or not there's incremental satisfaction with your product and, and also to see what's going on. But it's also a good idea to use a different group too now. Because mm -hmm. what you can do is have a separate group do the assessment at this stage, a group that was not aware of what was going on before. And then you can do some comparisons between the two. The one that was with you all along mm -hmm. and the one that is now coming on board so that you can get a sense of, okay, because sometimes that, that, that element of um, customer loyalty may have its own element of bias in it, depending. Because having known, been familiar with a group for so long, mm -hmm. there's that feeling now that they have become heavily invested in what you I have see, to see, offer. Yeah, been part of the process. Right. right. So yeah. it's a good thing, yes, because now you know how they, they really feel along the process. But you want this fresh group that would have fresh insights into the thing now. And if it is that they are also positively validating what it is you set out, but mm -hmm. then you can feel more assured even with what the other group was saying at yeah. the same time. So it's good to have those two layers. Yeah. Well, that's really, really good. So um, we almost getting ready to wrap up this part of the segment here. And uh, for your listeners, uh, fear not, I'm going to have Alison on for another episode sometime in the future when we go ahead and, 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 um, and we're going through this process. But I just really want to, again, stress, and I know she'll, she'll do it in her closing as well, but stress the importance of the validation. Uh, we all know that our resources are limited and if you really have this idea and it's something that you, you're really uh, confident about or it's dear to your heart or you think it's, it's really the next or the big thing, you really want to, to, to go through the steps that you need to go through, at least at the initial stages, to, to not only uh, protect yourself but to give it the greatest chance of success and the greatest chance of success without really uh, investing too much time money and resources so you always really want to have that in mind and utilize uh these tools going forward like i said i used it it's been very helpful to me and i will continue to do to use it so Alison, i'll just uh let the floor open for you to leave some uh, some closing statements okay well just one final thing just to reiterate what mccasey said cost is always a factor and many times we think that doing validation and going out there and paying to get persons to be part of particular exercises might be pretty costly so the thing is not to fear um, that particular approach because there are ways to do it and also save costs at the same time. If you do it in that triangulated fashion that I mentioned before, you may save money by doing stuff on social media instead of having to go out and spend a lot of money to get persons to be part of the process. And also remember that doing this particular phase, which is very important, could save you a lot of money in the long That's right. Year. 
because you don't want to not at least you can sacrifice now at the onset at this proof of concept instead of having to fork out a lot of cash at the end of the road because you have not validated and unfortunately your product may fail because you would have attracted or think that your product is set for a particular target market but it truly wasn't and you want to try to avoid that especially as a new business that is now starting out those are one of the pitfalls that you want to try to avoid at the same time Uh, that's right so thank you very much Alison and listeners I hope you guys uh, and girls got some great information so we have one more part and it feels like a longish episode but we have one more segment and then that will be it so uh, sit tight thank you going to happen is that he's going to put a dark cloud So good afternoon again, folks. Uh, So I'm back and we are here to just handle the last segment, if you want to call it that, of our, uh, our podcast, our episode for today. I really want to thank uh, this guest for being here. Uh, I've known him for a few years now, and um, he has a really, really good idea. Not only has a really good idea that he's he's pushing forward, but um, when you hear him talk and you, you listen to his experiences, he's been across the world, a very dynamic uh, individual, and I think he has a lot of share not only with the country, Trinidad Tobago, but with, with the region as well. And an individual, his name is Elon Cooper. So I'm going to... Let Elon uh, introduce himself, uh, give some background, and then we'll talk about uh, why he's here today. So, good afternoon, Elon. Hey, good afternoon, McKay, and thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay, so you want to know a bit about me? Um, well, I'm an economist. Um, I trained in Trinidad here, and also um, in Madrid, Spain, and have experience in banking as well as in project development. I also work as a consultant um, on certain. European Union projects, particularly related to innovation, and um, I'm actually also a classical pianist, a musician, and uh, the business that I've actually started links those three things, you know, um, and as I guess, as, as, as you ask more questions, I guess we'll get more into yeah. what that's all about, you know, but it's a bit about me, my training, um, and um, yeah, so I think where those three things intersect is where you're going to Alright, great. Yeah. So I'm sure for the listeners who are, are familiar with the the, uh, the national music scene in Trinidad and Tobago, uh, would know about you and and, and know how uh, this particular uh, part of Trinidad and Tobago is, is near and dear to your heart. And I know that that, that is what would have assisted in you launching or founding uh, the Caribbean Culture Box. Tell us about what would have gone into the establishment of that particular organization. Okay, so um, I guess I have to go to explain a bit more about myself. Um, I grew up um, in the 80s and 90s where music was a lot more, I, would, I don't want to say important, but a lot different. The musical landscape was different in Trinidad and Tobago. Um, I remember going to Queen's Hall to hear pianists from Russia perform. They would be part of the uh, Queen's Hall Steinway series and they would be visiting violinists coming from Germany. Very A very classical foundation. Um, but the performing arts were a lot more um, diverse in some ways in some ways and um, as I grew up and became more involved in it as a as a, as a performer myself mm-hmm. I realized that there's a sort of um, certain gaps in my experience compared to what the 
younger generation of musicians um, have. You know, they don't have the opportunity to perform as much in public. We have uh, a university here, UTT, producing lots of um, decent musicians, but there's but there's a, 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 a disconnect between performing and um, performing at, at at a school level and performing professionally, and that's why sort of sort of a sort of um, a gap existing. Um, there's a room for for smaller performances. There's a room for um, gaining experience. And there's also a public that wants to hear um, and encourage people as they grow. Not everybody wants to pay um, a very exp expensive, pay for a very expensive ticket to hear um, a top-rate artist. People very often want to hear um, the younger, sometimes more dynamic, and even more interesting artists sometimes um, in the stages of development. And they want to perform, you know? So you have a public who wants to hear, and you also have um, musicians who want to perform, but we have either the school setting, and then we have the very large halls, like Queen's Hall, we have um, the hall at Napa, but there's room for small spaces, and that's where the Caribbean culture box comes in, you know? And it's not just for music, but also for culture in general, the small spaces that the younger musicians need to grow. Um, when I lived in Madrid, um, it was something I would see a lot. The conservatories would have exhibitions, and they wouldn't always be at the conservatory halls. They sometimes be in very small places, um, in someone's home. Once a person's home is adequately um, equipped to have a, a recital, and a lot more intimate spaces. And those are the kind of spaces that um, that art music, which is basically written classical or folk music, tends to um, to, to be best appreciated. Mm -hmm. in, you know, where the audience can appreciate detail. So that was the, that's the real idea of it, to, to present lots of um, small shows that give a growth opportunity to, to younger performers. And even some established ones who are lesser known, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. So, so listeners, I, I hope you, you, you would have uh, heard what Mr. Cooper had to say there, say there because clearly he would have identified uh, what the landscape uh, basically would have had for individuals with artists, uh, with performances, uh, the established uh, arenas as far as Queen's Hall, uh, the Hall at Napa, etc. And then identifying, okay, where there would have been uh, a particular niche there with respect to, to quality uh, music in a, in, a, in a smaller type smaller of setting. setting. Uh, also bringing back an intimate setting, bringing back the culture, etc. And then going through and, 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 and I, so identifying a particular need and coming up and validating that particular uh, situation or problem if you want to call it that with this particular solution that is called the caribbean culture box and also the linkage uh back to yesteryear if you want to call it that where we would have appreciated this particular art form uh, much more better one other thing as not one other thing but what we also want to talk about here too elon is the fact that uh the ccb even though it's 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 new on the block it actually has an event that it will be launching soon, which is the prelude to the Cuban guitar, I believe. Yeah, the prelude, um, the yes. Cuban guitar. Okay, so I'll give some background about that. Um, now, my experience in this kind of thing isn't only, it, 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 didn't, it didn't start um, today. Um, I've been a performer for quite a while. And before I left for Spain, I actually had um, put on a similar event back in 2008 with a, a friend of mine who was um, who is a a tenor and a, and a choir director, mm -hmm. a gentleman called um, John Michael Thomas, who's very well known today. He produces some of the um, larger shows you see on Christmas time and so in Trinidad and Tobago. Um, so um, that event was a very, a very successful one and it was encouraging to me. 
Um, after having lived in Madrid, seeing what there was there, coming back home, I thought to myself, we need something similar. And I, I tend to, tend to um, like to explore different cultures myself in my personal life. I'm, I'm a very cosmopolitan person. And um, one of my um, friends there um, was the director of a conservatory in Cuba, a place called Las Tunas in Cuba, the head of the guitar faculty. And he's been here for um, quite some time and hadn't put on a, a, a recital. He hadn't exposed himself to the Trinidad public. You know? I made sure to get some experience beforehand in music direction and the, the background type of thing. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a member of the Music Festival Association, the Acting Treasurer. I'm also um, I'm also uh, a member of the Patrons of Queens Hall um, and the board directors there. And um, it gives insight into what the public wants to hear, what the public... I, I, I chose to go into those organizations to get some experience in, mm-hmm. in, in art management, you know? And um, so we decided to put on a show that takes, takes place this weekend here. It's the 1st of um, um, July. 1st of July, uh-huh. At um, the Trinidad Theatre Workshop, their new location, a very small space on 6... Intimate space, yeah. Very small space, um, 6 New World Street, Sinclair. And it's going to be repeated again um, on the 8th of July. Same place, same time, um, 5... 5 p.m. Okay. Yeah. So, so and, and, and the guitar it's, a, it's, an, it's an instrument which calls for that sort of intimate listening. It's not loud like a piano. It's not a trumpet, you know. Um, and we will in fact have two guest artists, um, Mr. Rellon Brown, who's a jazz trumpeter here in Trinidad, a friend of mine of many years, and um, Keisha Bazden, uh, Keisha well, now Martinez, she's married, um, who is uh, an experienced violinist, trained yeah. in trained in Miami. So it's a, the intimacy of the concert doesn't really come across in the fact that the music is guitar music, which calls for intimate feel. But the people who, who form the cast are actually um, friends of mine, and um, and so far so good. We um, ticket sales have been going well, and we, we think we'll have a good show. Um, so while you're on the subject of ticket sales, how much are the tickets, and how can someone get some information if they, they'd like to attend either on the first or the eighth of July? Okay, so to get some information of the show, you can call. Six, sorry, um, 297-3820 mm-hmm. or you can email um, which is c-u-e-r-d-a at gmail.com that actually means um, uh, a string like a string of a guitar or violin in Spanish you know? mm-hmm. um, to get more information there's also a Facebook event um, you can go to Culture Box Caribbean um, on Facebook and the, it's the one event we have there at this point in time. Okay. Um, the first event was actually um, so well marketed and promoted that um, the Cuban Embassy got in touch with us to, to collaborate on further work going forward. You know? So it's very... That's really good. That's very, really very, good. Very upbeat. You know? It's very encouraging. That's nice. So folks, listeners, just remember, as, uh, as we always do on every podcast, uh, in the description of the podcast, I will have the additional details that Elon would have mentioned with respect to the contact information i'll just give you that number one more time it's 297-3820 for tickets the tickets the general admission is 150 dollars. and again the dates uh july 1st it's a sunday july 8th uh it's also a sunday at 5 p.m at the trinidad theater workshop their new location which is on 6 new world street saint clair all right uh, recital prelude to the cuban guitar as well as uh, a jazz trumpeter and a violinist, uh, Mrs. Martinez. Mrs. Martinez. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, so again, listeners, I really want to 
uh, thank Elon for coming on again. It's a, it's a really great initiative and it's one of those things which is really the, the, the entire mission of this particular podcast where you have individuals who have ideas and they go ahead and they turn them into something that's really, really real uh, that is giving that particular um, uh, appreciation to a particular a segment going ahead and, and, and actualizing that, that, that goal. One more thing, Cooper, I wanted you to mention. I know that you would have spoken about the fact that um, there's a there's a collaboration also between UTT with respect to uh, workshop being held. Okay, yes. So, um, given the the extent of Mr. Um, Mateo Torres' experience, you know, he's founded orchestras in Cuba. He's founded guitar orchestras. He's run a faculty, and he's in, in fact a, um, a virtuoso guitarist. I thought it would, would be remiss of of myself and, and him not to give something to young guitarists in Chantal Dego. You know, we have some promising ones here. So we're actually giving a free guitar workshop on the 5th of um, July at um, Napa, um, there in Porto Spain, just up the road. To I think so, we have about five young guitarists taking part. So, mm-hmm. and I think it's always important, whether you're a business or an NGO, to give back somehow, you know. Mm-hmm. It doesn't only build good a, a good brand and, and goodwill, it's also a good thing to do. Yeah. Generally, a good thing to do. So, so that's what we have happening there. You know. Yeah, I was, I was very impressed when I when I heard that particular aspect with respect to uh, to the giving back. That's a really good thing. So, uh, folks, that was some great information there. I'm going to to put it on the uh, description of the podcast, and most likely I would be attending one of the shows as well, and will give you some feedback in a future episode, as well as when the CCB, the Caribbean Culture Box, has another event up or they're doing something else. We'll go ahead and have Mr. Cooper on so you can share that information with you all. I know it was a really long episode today, but I know it was it was meaningful, uh, meaty stuff that you guys can listen to share. Uh, feel free, of course, to leave your questions, your comments, your concerns, your general feedback. I want to thank you for listening and do have a great day. Bye-bye. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android.